You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Jets podcast for Tuesday, September 14th, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com. Today, our episode is brought to you by Locked On NFL Sunday. Looking for a Sunday pregame show that talks about every game and every team in depth? Check out the Locked On NFL Sunday show, live every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern. No sketches, no celebrity camos, no fluff, just football every Sunday morning with hosts Cody Rourke and Ross Jackson. Follow and subscribe Locked On NFL on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. And don't forget to turn on notifications to be notified when the show goes live every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern. Today we're going to have Chad Pennington on the show. The former Jets quarterback will stop by. He will offer his thoughts on the current Jets team. He'll also talk about his career. But before we get to Chad, we have some Jets news to discuss. And it's injury news It's not great either. All of the focus on Sunday after the game was on the status of Makai Becton. Becton suffered what looked like a knee injury on the play where Zach Wilson completed his first touchdown pass in the NFL to Corey Davis. And it was one of those bittersweet moments for the Jets because your rookie quarterback hits this important point in his career. You always remember the first touchdown pass your franchise quarterback throws, and you can't even really enjoy it because your franchise left tackle goes down with an injury. And when that happened, it looked really bad. Becton had to be carted off the field, and he was emotional. And in situations like that, you kind of read between the lines. And when you see a guy who is being carted off the field and he's showing that kind of emotion, you kind of assume he's been told it's a bad injury. Well, after the game on Sunday, there were reports that preliminary tests indicated that Becton had suffered a sprained MCL, which is not something that's great, but it's better than what it looked like as he was being carted off the field. Because when he's being carted off the field and he's upset, and you can tell he's upset, you're thinking it's a season-ending injury. As it turns out, it was neither a torn ACL nor was it a sprained MCL. We found out on Monday that Becton suffered a dislocated kneecap. He is expected to miss four to six weeks. He will have surgery. So again, better than what it looked like originally. And that is some silver lining for the Jets that you will get Becton back this season. I mean, if you had told me it was going to be four to six weeks as he was leaving that field on Sunday... I think most of us would have signed up for it. But at the same time, you are losing your starting tackle for around one-third of the season. And not only are you losing your starting tackle, you're losing the starting tackle off an offensive line that looked terrible on Sunday. And I know you could say, well, how big of a loss could it be considering how bad the line looked? Well, whenever you're going to backups, you're going to guys who weren't as good as the starters. And the Jets really could use Becton in there. Now, they do have George Fant, and George Fant was awful on Sunday. He will probably slide from right tackle over to left tackle. And the Jets do have Morgan Moses, who has a track record of being a quality starter in this league. So there is decent depth here, but it's being stretched to its limit. And listen, I don't think there's any question the Jets are better with Mekhi Becton at left tackle than they are George Fant. And when you're getting to four to six weeks, you're getting to the point where 
even with a good backup, he may get exposed. I think good backups in this league, you can get by for a couple of weeks. Four to six is a lot. But another injury that kind of got lost in the Becton news was LaMarcus Joyner. Joyner left this game in the first half. And the news for him is really bad, and it's worse than I was expecting. Joyner actually might be out for the rest of the season. The report came from Ian Rappaport on Monday that Joyner apparently suffered a very serious elbow injury. It was a torn tendon in his arm, and he might be gone for the year. And you may have noticed that his replacement, Sheldrick Redwine, was the culprit in the long touchdown pass from Sam Darnold to Robbie Anderson. And just to clarify, if you're a Jets fan, this this is now an instance where a Sam Darnold to Robbie Anderson touchdown is a bad thing for the Jets because they're both on Carolina now. The Jets were very excited about Joyner, and now they thought he was a good fit for the system, and now he his Jets career might be over before it began because he only signed a one-year contract in the offseason. And as much as anything, this is going to give Ashton Davis an opportunity. Davis seemed like he was destined for a bench role when the Joyner signing was announced. Davis, of course, was a third-round pick last year, and he's on injured reserve right now. But when he comes off injured reserve, and injured reserve is now essentially like the injured list in baseball this year you only have to be on injured reserve for three weeks and then you can come off there's no more you can only bring one player off injured reserve in the season there's no more you can only bring two players there's no more you have to sit for half the year ir this year means you're down for three weeks and when davis comes back there's probably going to be a starting role waiting for him and he's going to get his opportunity to show he can play in the nfl and the jets are going to need him because they were expecting big things out of Joyner this year, and they're not going to get anything out of LaMarcus Joyner. And again, his Jets career may be over because he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year, and we have no idea whether they're going to bring him back or not. So you never like to deal with this many injuries week one. Jets lose two starters in that game. I guess you could argue a third in Braden Mann. They did lose their punter in in the opener as well. But it's just something something they're going to have to work around. Anyway, ahead here on our show, we are going to have former Jets quarterback Chad Pennington. It's going to be a great discussion about the current Jets and the Jets in the past when Chad played with them. Ahead here on the Locked On Jets podcast. This season is not off to a great start for the New York Jets. They lost their first game. They suffered all of those injuries we talked about. But there is some good news. Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Use promo code LOCKEDON. It's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, at BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Joining me today is former Jets quarterback Chad Pennington. Chad, thank you so much for joining me today. And let me begin by asking you about the work you're doing with the Mayo Clinic Comeback Player of the Year Award. Absolutely. It's an honor to work with Mayo Clinic for a second time around. And as we know, Mayo Clinic does such a great job in the research industry. And and they know that an answer can help one find their way, which is why they're honoring football student athletes for their perseverance. And so 
every week we'll recognize three players from all levels of college football who are making comebacks, whether it be from injury, illness, or other challenges. And then at the end of the season, there'll be three Mayo Clinic comeback players of the year that will be honored at the Fiesta Bowl. And Mayo Clinic will actually donate $30,000 in scholarships on their behalf. And so last year's honorees were awesome. It was Kenneth Horsey from Kentucky, Silas Kelly from Coastal Carolina, and Jarek Broussard of, of Colorado. And so um, me being a two-time comeback player of the year myself, I know these challenges that the student athletes are facing and the energy and support system and everything that's involved in trying to make a comeback. And so it's just really inspiring to be a part of this. And people can actually nominate a candidate and actually learn more about these inspiring stories at comeback-player.com. But Mayo Clinic has done a great job in honoring our football student athletes with their comeback stories. What made you want to get involved with this venture? Well, I just know the reputation that Mayo Clinic uh, has. I've been able to work with uh, people from uh, Mayo Clinic before and just knowing the type of work that they're in, the perseverance that they actually uh, demonstrate as well as they, as they research and try to you know make great discoveries in the medical field. And then just working with them on this award two years ago, it was just really awesome to see how invested they were into our football student athletes and really recognizing the uh, challenges that our student athletes go through and some of these comeback stories and trying to, you know, put those out on the forefront. It just was really inspiring for me. And, and like I said, being able to, you know, having to come back from injuries myself, I know how difficult that is and those challenges that are, that, that you face as an athlete. And so once you put student athlete with it and knowing the challenges they have in the classroom and now the challenges they have out uh, on the football field as well, it's something that, that I, I really wanted to be a part of. Now, Chad, when you're not working with the Mayo Clinic, uh, raising awareness about this award, what are you doing with your time these days? Well, a couple of things. Uh, first of all, I work uh, with the NFL Legends community as a co-executive director. And the NFL Legends community is an initiative that we started eight years ago through the NFL League office in serving our men and their families as they transition from the game of football and making sure that they're celebrated, they're embraced, and most importantly, they're informed on all the resources and benefits that are available to them as they make that transition from the game and making sure they understand that they have a great skill set and now it's time to repurpose that skill set into another chapter of their life and so that's one thing that i do and then the second thing i do is uh, i've actually started a high school football program here in lexington kentucky my dad was a high school football coach for 30 years i grew up on a friday night bus and i really love uh, working with our high school student athletes and using the game of football to help develop them uh, as they move forward. And so um, coaching high school football, working with the NFL Legends community, it seems like it's all things football, right? <laughs> so that's, that's what I've been doing uh, post-NFL career. Do you still follow the Jets? I do. I do. You know, I've been able to keep up with the Jets and, and uh, kind of watch, uh, watch what's going on there and was able to uh, watch some of the games and, uh, you know, really interested in, in, in watching uh, Zach Wilson, his development and, uh, you know, as a rookie quarterback, I know what that looks like and, and what that means and, and the challenges that are there. So I'm pulling for him and the Jets to really get this thing turned around. Do you think the Jets are moving in the right direction? Well, that's always the question, right? And uh, I think it's way too early to uh, be able to answer that question right now. I do like what uh, Coach Soy has been able to do and the staff he's been able to bring in and some of the changes that they've made. I think uh, everyone's excited. The great thing about the beginning of the season uh, leading up to yesterday, everybody starts undefeated, right? And then, then you actually 
what's the first game and see who wins, who loses, and what uh, changes need to be made and, and, and who needs to improve. And so uh, I do do keep up with them, and, and I do like, uh, you know, what's going on so far. But it's way too early to tell. I think uh, patience is a necessity, uh, whether it be working with a, a new head coach or working with a, a brand-new quarterback, a rookie quarterback. You've got to have patience. You've got to be able to put the right plan in place have the right structure and organization to implement your plan and execute your plan. Now, Chad, you may not be aware of this, but in New York, sometimes the media and the fans don't always react rationally to losses. And it's especially <laughs> difficult when you lose your first game because you waited all off season that, you know, there's all this excitement and you come out and you're disappointed. What's it like in the locker room after you lose the first game? How difficult is it when I'm sure you hear all the stuff from the media, the fans, everybody's panicking. How do you deal with that? Well, I think uh, there's so much energy uh, and work that's placed into every week. And so when you come up a little bit short on Sunday, uh, it's just such a range of emotions. And, uh, you know, one of the biggest things that you learn as a professional is that you've got to be able to compartmentalize that and then move on into the next week and, and really be critical of yourself um, and look at what you need to improve upon, celebrate what you're doing well and build upon that as well. So it's a, it's a big challenge. That's part of being a professional is being able to handle those highs and lows. I, you know, I, I learned from Vinny Testaverde early that you just never get too high. You never get too low. And the film is also, it's never as bad as you think, and it's never as good as you think either. And so you really try to level set yourself and, and uh, really work to improve and really focus on that process of improvement. Because sometimes, quite frankly, sometimes the result is out of your control as an individual player. And so you really got to just, as you've heard many coaches say, trust that process, work through that process, enjoy the grind of getting better, and know that uh, if you're doing the right things, that, that good things will happen. It just takes time. Now, as you mentioned, Vinny Testaverde was the Jets' starting quarterback your rookie season. I think they also had Ray Lucas, so a little bit of a different situation. You did not need to step into the lineup day one. You maybe had a couple of years to prepare to take over the starting role, but you have a perspective that few do. You kind of know what Zach Wilson is going through being the quarterback of this franchise in this city. What advice would you have for Zach Wilson? Well, number one, I think he uh, has to be patient with himself. Uh, and there's a fine line with being patient with yourself and being critical with yourself, not beating yourself up too much, but also really being honest with yourself on where you have to improve. You know, right now as a rookie, I mean, he's drinking football information through a fire hose, and so he's just in straight survival mode right now trying to figure this thing out, what it looks like to be a professional football player, a professional quarterback, and, oh, yeah, by the way, in the largest media market that we have, and so – uh, for him, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have to be patience. Um, also going to have to really celebrate the small victories of your improvements that may not show up in the stat sheet, but that you know will make you the player that you want to become. And so that that's really key. And then and also, you know, I encourage organizations to make sure that they're doing the right things, placing the right structure and the right people around Zach to help him improve and become better as well. One thing you hear frequently from former players is that playing in New York is different. There's a different type of spotlight. And you had experience, play, of course, playing in Miami. So you've kind of seen what it's like to be a player in New York and a player in a different city. How would you say it's different? What specifically do you think is different about being in New York? 
I think the number one thing is the intensity of coverage, um, just the amount of reporters that you have in your locker room just after practice and after games and, you know, let alone the national attention, but the local regional attention uh, that is placed in New York and the intensity of that coverage and everyone's looking for their story. And so there may be uh, 25 different angles on the same topic. And so you get, you get, you know, somewhere in the middle with the truth and then you get the stretches of the truth on both sides. And so being able to deal with that, understand that uh, these reporters, you know, do have a job to do for the most part, they're good people. They're trying to do their, their best work. Uh, and you happen to be, be the person they're reporting upon. And so you try to treat them with respect, understand what they're trying to get done, but then also understand what you're trying to get done too. And so sometimes that lines up and sometimes it doesn't. So you learn how to navigate that space as a professional, but the intensity uh, of the coverage, I think, is the number one difference uh, compared to any other market. Do you keep in touch with any of your old Jets teammates? Sure, absolutely. Just uh, was able to connect with uh, Lavernius Coles yesterday, and uh, sometimes I, you know, run into Dave Zod or Kevin Mawai or Curtis Martin, um, you know, Wayne Corbett, and you know, all these guys that you have so much respect for and that you played with and spent a lot of time with. So it's always fun to catch up, uh, you know, especially now that we uh, have kids and a lot of our kids are in high school now playing high school sports. And know Anthony Beck, a longtime teammate and friend of mine, and his son is playing quarterback down in Tampa, Florida, and has committed to Iowa State. So it's always fun to keep up with each other's kids as well. When you look back at your career, what are you proudest about? Well, I think um, you know, my goal uh, as a professional was to handle myself with integrity and character and treat everyone the way I wanted to be treated. That's number one. Two was to be the best ultimate teammate I could be uh, and making sure that my teammates understood that I had their back, that I was there for them. I was going to play for them. I was going to work hard with them, do everything I could as a quarterback to make them successful. Uh, Those would be the two most important things for me. It's just how I treated people as a professional uh, on and off the field and and then what type of teammate I was. Uh, with the guys in that locker room because the locker room is a special place. It's a safe haven uh, for us as professional football players. There's a lot, lot of hardcore uh, questions and answers that go on in the, in the locker room. And it's a safe place for guys to let their hair down and just talk. And that's why I love it because we, you know, a lot of us, we, we come from different uh, backgrounds, races, creeds, nationalities, and be able to kind of take all of those, personalities and people and to bring them in, uh, up under one um, roof and to say, okay, we've got one common purpose and one common goal here. How do we get this done? It's a special place to do that. And you learn a lot of life lessons in that locker room. What do you think would surprise NFL fans the most to learn about life as an NFL player, whether it's on the field, in the locker room? I think, I think number one would be uh, how we approach our profession. Uh, we look at our profession uh, just like any other job. Um, and so it's not that we're out there playing a recreational sport or doing this for recreation. This is literally our livelihood. And so uh, our approach um, is, is really important. I think it would surprise a lot of fans. Number two, I think it would surprise a lot of people, the organization and structure that we have uh, within the building, with our scheduling, uh, with the attention to detail, I have seen numerous companies 
not have the type of structure and attention to detail that we have as an NFL team and NFL organization. I think those two things would really surprise people. Um, and that's why, you know, when we work with our, our men and their families as they transition from the game, uh, they need to know that that's actually something that, quite frankly, not a lot of professionals have that they have that they've been exposed to as far as the the organization, the scheduling, the detail that's required to be successful in any business. They've been exposed to that uh, within the game of football, and that's something that they can use to their advantage as they move forward in the next chapter of their life. Ahead here on the show, Chad Pennington is going to offer his insight on some of the challenges teams face when installing new systems as the Jets are doing this year on both sides of the ball as Robert Sala tries to fix this franchise. But if you need to fix your car or truck, go to rockauto.com. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Save time and money when using Rock Auto because Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every customer. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know, know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. The Jets just opened their season in Carolina. This weekend, they have their home opener against the Patriots. You may want to watch that game on one device. You may want to watch your favorite shows on another, maybe watch sports highlights on your phone, and maybe have your neighbor's best friends log in for a TV show you want to watch. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Now let's get back to our discussion with Chad Pennington, former Jets quarterback. Now, of course, the Jets are installing new systems on both sides of the ball this season. How long do you think it takes players to really understand a system? Well, it's one thing to understand it uh, from a chalkboard standpoint and to be able to talk about it on the chalkboard. It's another thing to then apply it uh, in, in live time, in real time, right? And so... That's the key is, is how can you process the information that you're being given and then not have to think about that information as you're playing and just merely react to it. Um, and so that, that's kind of the secret sauce. And so once you have players in a team that really make the system their own, I think that's really important. important. You have to take ownership in the system. You have to make it yours. You have to take pride in being yours. It can't be the coaches, the coach only has the roadmap, but you have to grab the roadmap as players and make it yours. Uh, it's a player's game. You know, once you step in between the white lines, um, the coach can't go out there and make the decision for you. You have to make it yourself and you have to make those plays. And so uh, that's something that, that's really important. So it's a process. It's a process that is, is different for each individual. And it's also different for each team as well. And the teams and individuals that are able to, uh, really process that information, make it the, their own, and then use it out there on the field in between the white lines. Those are the guys and the teams that you see that are successful, and not only successful for a year, but create consistency in that success. And then once you start to create that consistency, then the system starts to take a life of its own and starts to 
mold around the players that you have. And the greatest systems in football are the ones that can adapt to the talent that, that it has and, and, and make sure that you're not trying to place guys in a cookie cutter system that the system adapts to the talent you have. And some years it may be that you, you know, you're a big time down the field passing team. The next year may be that you have a great uh, running game. And so you start to mold that way. And so each year presents its different challenges based upon the talent you have, the injuries that you face and, and how do you get that done to win football games? Because at the end of the day, it truly is about winning and whether you win 33 to 32 or three to two, that win is a sweet feeling. Now you mentioned that you're doing some work with players transitioning from the NFL. You've also talked about how you're doing some high school coaching somewhere down the line. Do you see yourself getting back into the league, working for a team in some capacity? I really don't, uh, to be honest with you. I know what that grind looks like. Um, and uh, I will never say never, but right now I certainly don't. I've enjoyed you know, working on the high school level and taking my knowledge that the NFL has provided and, and really sharing that knowledge with our high school players. I feel like the health of our game lies within the youth and high school space. Um, and if we want our game to remain healthy and, and continue to move forward, there has to be an emphasis placed upon the youth and high school space. And, you know, the NFL is kind of the end product, but, the beginning and the grassroots uh, starts there uh, in the youth and high school space. And that's why I have such a passion for it. Now, something a lot of people don't know about you, Chad, is that you were Randy Moss's quarterback in college. Could you talk a little bit about what it was like having Randy Moss as your receiver? <laughs> well, it certainly made things a lot more simple. And sometimes it felt really easy uh, to be able to look out there and know that uh, you've got Randy Moss uh, as your go-to wide receiver and a guy who's so competitive, so so talented. Um, you know, it was a great feeling as a quarterback. Gave you a sense of confidence that not a lot of quarterbacks could have, knowing that even when he wasn't open, he was still open. And so uh, it was a lot of fun to play with him. I have a lot of great memories. Uh, actually, I was texting with him yesterday, uh, just checking in on him. And so uh, it was it was certainly something that was very special. And Chad, my last question, do you have any message for the Jets fans listening right now? Well, you know, I, you know, I've always heard it, uh, you know, as far as you know, being a Jet fan and how tough it can be. But uh, number one, and just enjoy being a fan. I think as players, we hear so much negativity. We love when fans come up and just talk about how they enjoy watching us play or how they're big fans of us. And so anytime you can do that as a Jet fan, you get a chance to say hello to a player and just say, hey, man, I really appreciate how you play on the field. And I think that goes a long, long way as far as establishing relationships uh, with the fan base and, and knowing, uh, you know, how passionate they are. That's something that I have learned uh, post uh, NFL is that you know a lot of fans will come up to you and go, "Hey, I really appreciate how you did things. How you uh, were an inspiration to me as a professional and to my kids and the example you set." So that's something that I think fans uh, need to do a little bit more. Um, which, you know, a lot of times it doesn't seem like that happens because they're so passionate about the result on the field and getting emotional about it. You know, they forget that, hey, we're out there working as hard as we can to be the best we can for ourselves, our family, and for our team. And so anytime they can kind of shed a little bit of goodwill and say, hey, I appreciate what you do, man. I love watching you play. I think it goes a long way. Well, Chad, thank you for joining me. And let me tell you, I appreciate what you did. And I will tell you, when I go to games at MetLife Stadium, I still wear my Pennington jersey.
<laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. Not too many of those around anymore. So, yeah, thank you so much for doing that. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening, and thank you so much to special guest Chad Pennington for stopping by. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you like the show, leave it a good review and subscribe where podcasts are found. Have a great Tuesday, everybody, and send in your questions because tomorrow we will have our weekly mailbag show.